traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today I have a guest, Justin Battles, who's a passionate advocate for service-disabled veterans in the cannabis industry. After serving in the Army for eight years, including time as an airborne infantryman and quartermaster chemical repairer, he was medically discharged due to knee injuries from his airborne service. This led Justin to pursue his interest in horticulture, business management, and cannabis studies. So his journey with cannabis began with growing his own cannabis for pain management, anxiety, and ADHD, and I'm sure he will talk more about that later. Uh, He's serving as co-chair for the Veterans Committee of the Cannabis Association of New York, and his goal is to ensure that veterans have access to licenses, resources, funding, and affordable cannabis products in a fair and equitable industry. Welcome to the show today, Justin. Thanks for having me, Bethany. I appreciate you letting me have this platform to speak on. Yeah, sure. So let's let's dive in by hearing more about you and your background, including the military as well, prior to you taking an interest in cannabis. So I was always interested in cannabis before my military service, but obviously during my active duty time, I didn't use. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I was uh, going on my way out and was medically discharged, I decided to grow my own and uh, it helped me battle um, addiction to synthetic cannabinoids, uh, pain for the knees, anxiety, ADHD, all that. that that's what led me to find a um, horticultural business program and use my GI Bill to uh, try to get into this industry. Gotcha. Anything else that you were involved in, other industries, or a lot of your time was in the Army? Uh, yeah, I joined right out of 18 uh, since I was 18, I joined the army and, uh, yeah, just had those two different MOSs as we call them. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Great. So yeah, let's, let's take a deeper dive into you pursuing cannabis, growing cannabis and how you would describe your relationship with the plant. Uh, so like I said, my involvement in the cannabis industry began when I started growing up on cannabis, um, and then witnessing the positive effects of cannabis on my own health inspired me to become an advocate for service-disabled veterans in the industry. 
Uh, my ultimate goal is to get a micro business license and open a veteran focused dispensary that operates like a morale, welfare and recreation center, uh, which I'll offer resources, support and a, a sense of community to veterans who can benefit from cannabis. Yeah. Tell me more about that advocacy for other veterans uh, and their you know, the use of cannabis, like you said, active duty service members are unable to use cannabis, but, you know, there's other groups that I've spoken with, like the Veterans Action Council. Um, They talk about those who are retired using cannabis for all of these ailments and topics, including the ones you mentioned. Tell me more about your advocacy work for other veterans. Uh, so now, as you said in the introduction, I'm I'm the co-chair of the Veterans Committee for Canny, and so day to day, I just uh, I'm involved with advocacy, writing op-eds, getting uh, exposure on all the issues we have. Um, I work to make sure that people are getting um, access to licenses, prioritization, uh, try to find resources, funding, uh, and then point people to affordable cannabis products who veteran members that maybe are not interested in the industry as a business aspect, but just want to use it as a medical outlet for their PTSD pain or whatever. Uh, so just advocating for them and just putting out as much information as we can. So some of the things uh, we've done is we've had meetings with the OCM. I've met with Chris Alexander to discuss uh, veteran representation in the OCM uh, to get a liaison uh, in effect, to have us uh, some representation since every other social equity class is represented uh, in the OCM and on the um, Cannabis Control Board. So we've just been trying to get representation for us in those uh, regulatory bodies and to uh, have someone advocating for our specific issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important work. Yeah. Um, here's here's a little bit of a crystal ball question for you. I'm not sure uh, <laughs> if if you're gonna have an answer for this, but um, for, for the Veterans Administration to make changes to allow veterans or even the use for active duty members for it to be treated like alcohol. Mm-hmm. Do you think that will there will ever be a day in our lifetime where the science is there, the laws have changed, we've achieved federal legalization, mm-hmm. and the and the VA will loosen their restrictions for active service members? Oh uh, yeah, I actually have some good information on that. I'm currently uh, maybe not on the active duty side, but I'm currently working with uh, Sarah Steneff on uh, articles for. Uh, the use of psychedelics and other uh, uh, modalities for treatment for veterans and um, PTSD and mental health issues and stuff like that, use of psilocybin and and things. So the VA is doing the research. They have about five open studies that they're doing for uh, being able to use this uh, treatment. And I have heard also that there is a active duty component uh, and one of the bases that does testing to see if uh, active duty members are able to use it in a responsible manner where they only use outside of their duty time. So only on the weekends or after the duty day is done with. And they're not allowed to use so many hours before duty as well and cannot be inebriated of any sort during their actual um, performing work hours. 
I mean, that sounds quite reasonable. That's, that's yeah. very encouraging. Thanks for sharing that. I, I, uh, it's, it's something I'm curious about and, and have an interest in myself. Um, my father is a Vietnam vet Marine and a cancer survivor. Uh, he got wow. cancer from exposure to Agent Orange, Agent Orange. actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. He flew medevac helicopters. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's personal to me as well. And I have friends who serve as well. And uh, yeah, just really appreciate you sharing that insight. So uh, yeah, let's, let's talk more about where, what you're doing today as well, what your goals are for this year, anything exciting that listeners should know about in in your your role currently with the cannabis association of new york uh so currently yeah we're just working on uh getting some uh different advocacy groups focused on uh different issues first being the card program um c-a-u-r-d it stands for the conditional adult use retail dispensary it's a license type that the ocm created specifically for justice involved individuals which means uh, individuals who only have a cannabis-related crime prior to the, the MRTA being um, made into law. And if they have this cannabis crime or have a family member with that cannabis crime, they get priority licensing uh, and all these other different resources to open up a retail dispensary. And our problem with that is, is that something we've been fighting is that this was good in practice or in thought, but in actual, in natural reality, it only created a divide between people who are social uh, justice involved and social equity, which means if what, what I approached you on originally, Bethany, was the uh, New York Post article uh, that was uh, inflammatory and was trying to be very divisive between justice involved individuals and veterans. We just wanted to come on today as like as a member of Canny and the Veterans Organ Veterans Committee and say that we don't really believe in any type of divisiveness between these two groups and that they should both receive licenses and neither should receive license before the other because as the MRTA states at the same time, uh, so the OCM is not following the letter of the law when they created this card program and. The slow rollout has just been creating a avalanche of effect onto farmers who are trying to get product out into the limited number of dispensaries that are out, which is very few. I think mm-hmm. there's like five or six. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Yeah. And we're going to take a deeper dive into that right after we take this first commercial break. So thanks everyone for tuning in. We will be right back to talk more with Justin Battles of the Veterans Committee of the Cannabis Association of New York. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore of NCIA, speaking with Justin Battles, who's co-chair of the Veterans Committee of the Cannabis Association of New York. So New York, wow, yes, a hot state right now, rolling out their cannabis licenses uh, slowly but surely. And I've talked to a few other folks um, about what's happening in New York as this gigantic state that, that has a huge population um, are going to it's going to contribute a lot to overall sales and tax revenues for the state um, but you know everyone's got different opinions uh, not everyone's on the same page about uh, how happy they are about how the licenses are rolling out so you mentioned a little bit before the break let's go ahead and take that deeper dive about what's going on that's of concern to you and your group oh yes uh thanks bethany so basically the we just have the issue with the card program and not not with an issue with um people with cannabis crimes getting licenses or getting priority priority is totally fine in fact it spells out in the mrta that they should get priority but what that hints to is priority points on their application so that they are put essentially ahead in line over just social equity. So for example, if you are a uh, minority, um, uh, if you're a minority uh, ethnic group and you have a cannabis crime, you're going to be over somebody who is just a minority. So uh, that in the hills is illegal according to the way they wrote this stipulation in the MRTA. So all of us, including other social equity groups, people who don't even have a stake in the retail dispensary part, just people who are conditional cultivators or people with trying to get cultivator licenses, they're all saying the same thing. Just open the license application for everybody at the same time and give priority points to people. Uh, if you're a veteran, you get a little bit of priority points. If you're you know, a veteran and you're a minority and you're a woman, you get more. If you're all that plus a cannabis crime, you get even ahead priority. And that's basically the issue is we're, we're not happy with them not following exactly the way the law is written. And it's not no issue or um, problem we have with the OCM's rollout of this is just that it's not feasible and it just creates too much divisiveness between these two groups because everyone wants to get in and get the market started. And this slow rollout is only going to cause more detriment further along down the line. Interesting. So it's like the divisiveness between the groups What was misleading, mis misguided, and uh, unnecessary is kind of what it sounds like. Yes, because we, we, we wholeheartedly believe that uh, people who have been persecuted for, for cannabis crimes, you know, stop and frisk, 
uh, just busted for a joint, whatever, um, they should get priority licenses. They they spent jail time. Their family members spent jail time. They were pushed up against the wall and had you know police brutality and all kinds of other things. And they deserve to have a active part and priority in the cannabis industry. But I don't think that they should have a whole year to operate and get their business started while everybody else is trying to get the industry going. And there's all these farms with abundance of products and they're trying to get it out there, but there's not enough stores. There's not enough storefronts to manage this. And not only that, but with there being them being felons, even though that it is a um, expunged, it's still a felony and it's still the banks don't want to lend to these people. The um, people who own the buildings don't want to rent or lease to them. So it recreates a where they have to use the the DASNY program, and I've had issues with people saying that they're they're not able to uh, use the own buildings that they've found themselves, and it's just a whole mess. Mm, yeah, it does sound that way. It's like t tying somebody's shoes together or something and telling them to start running. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, can you explain more about what you described earlier as the card? program conditional adult use retail dispensary license which i know you said are for those with past nonviolent marijuana convictions and the purpose of this is to address social equity and social justice issues you know as you're saying the past conviction if you don't have a past conviction you're left left out of this initial year's rollout of licenses in New York. Exactly. And there's a couple other issues I'll, I'll touch on is uh, first being is that people with these, these convictions, they may have had other convictions and the pointing system is kind of rated off. The more time you spent in jail, the higher priority you can get on these licenses. And the other, the only other qualification besides having a cannabis conviction or a family member with a cannabis conviction is to also have ran a business for two out of three years that was profitable, which in all fairness could be a, like a 1080 um, uh, DoorDash um, self-employed business. That is all that is legally necessary to qualify for the card program. And then you're able to get uh, funding. They give you a building that's like two hundred fifty or $150,000 building. You get uh, contracts with New York State, and then they give you uh, priority into the uh, industry. You get first chances at grabbing up these properties. You're going to get first market share and attention from customers because you're the first thing that's open. And it just leaves room for bad actors, I say. And not only that, but that should be those benefits should be giving to everyone because just because you didn't have a cannabis crime does not mean you weren't, you know, in hiding, operating, or doing things against the law. Because if they're rewarding people for breaking the law, then the people who can claim that they are a legacy operator should also be given that a priority, even though they didn't spend the time in jail. Um, all that shows is that they were a better business operator because they didn't get essentially caught. They were able to work under the regulatory constraints of 
being illegal, being an illegal business and making sure all their, their stuff was in, in line and they didn't get in trouble. But the people who were bad operators and got caught are now getting first grabs at the actual legal industry, which that kind of seems a little backwards. But this is, again, no uh, animosity towards that group. I think it is fair that they should have the priority, but having the first operation is not what the MRTA said. It is not what the, the law states. They have the ability to create additional license types, but it says at the same time. So we just want them to follow that that law. And we have um, Senator Jessica Scarcella Spanton, who has written a letter to Governor Kathy Holchul. Uh, we've um, visited a number of legislators and senators, and they agree that the OCM is operating illegally in this aspect. The card program is not a legal program, and with the injunction that was happening in the Finger, Finger Lakes uh, being blocked out still, it's just it is it is a it is a very bad rollout, unfortunately. And it's no nothing against the OCM; they've done the best they can. They've tried to do something different than other states have been able to do, and give people support for um, and pay them back for the issues that they had during the illegal days. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a complex issue. And there is so much gray area in all of this when at the end of the day, we just want legal cannabis available to anybody who'd like to consume it. And we'd like to keep people out of out from behind bars for possessing or consuming a plant. Um, we've made such good progress these last few years on this state-by-state uh, legalization adventure we've been going on, but not fast enough. And it sounds like, um, in addition to New York being a slow rollout of licenses, the decision-making process is also uh, an imperfect one. Very interesting. Let's take our last commercial break and then come back and wrap up our conversation with Justin Battles of the Veterans Committee of the Cannabis Association of New York. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, talking with Justin Battles of the Veterans Committee of the Cannabis Association of New York. And it's very complex there in the state of New York. I am overall encouraged to see more East Coast states jump into this legalization game. Uh, In my home state of Maryland is making good progress finally. Um, The District of Columbia is another example of just an imperfect situation. It is technically legal in the District of Columbia, but it is not legal to allow licensed businesses. So there's no licensed businesses, but it's been voted to be legal. Just very Hmm. confusing. Uh, So that's something that NCIA has continued to bring up when we speak with 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 folks in the district of columbia because it's a very niche little you know 10 10 square miles city right 
And at the same time, there's bigger issues that affect everybody in every state with a legal, regulated, licensed market. You mentioned banking issues. Uh, the Safe Banking Act has passed mm -hmm. the House of Representatives six or seven times, which is wonderful. But getting it to the Senate and getting it through the Senate has been the biggest struggle of that, that we've continued uh, to see when we are starting to continue to see more support from the Senate side on safe banking. Um, and we also need to fix Section 280E of the IRS tax code, mm -hmm. which let's say you do have some banking services and you're operating your business. Well, the IRS would like to take 70 or 80 percent effective tax rate from you instead of the usual 20 or 30 that other industry businesses would be paying. So we've got our work cut out for us in addition to federal legalization, which is so before we wrap up this episode, I really am excited that uh, in just a few days, NCIA and over 100 NCIA members are flying into Washington, D.C. for our 11th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days. So we do this every year. We wear comfortable shoes. We hit the House and Senate buildings with meetings that have been pre-scheduled so that these congressional offices can hear from directly from business owners in the cannabis industry about these struggles and educate them about the cannabis industry and this legislation that if if we could continue to build momentum, we can see some great progress. Um, if you're hearing this episode and you're a member of NCIA and you want to come to Lobby Days, head to our website, thecannabisindustry.org, and please register. There is a lot of planning that happens behind the scenes with our government relations team in advance of you even stepping foot in our nation's capital. If you're not a member of NCIA but you want to learn more, please absolutely reach out to us, head to our website, fill out a form to speak with somebody. We'd be happy to chat with you. In the meantime, let us wrap up this episode with Justin. Before we say goodbye, can you reiterate the solution? The solution, what would you like to see happen that would make the process in New York for rolling out cannabis business licenses more equitable for everyone? Yeah, thanks, Bethany. So um, what we would like to see is we just want to create a more cannabis uh, equitable cannabis industry. We want to see an increased number of veteran license holders and operators. Uh, we need we need improved representation for veterans at multiple levels of the regulatory side of the industry for the OCM, the CCB specifically, because they are in charge of distributing the uh, social equity fund, which is a lot of money. And considering that veterans are only a 2% or service disabled veterans are only 2% of New York's population, we stand to lose a lot if they, if we do not have a advocate in the room for us whenever this fund is being decided on how it should be distributed. But I think it is also essential for us to develop mentorship, education, and financial resources and programs specifically for veterans and other social equity groups other than just the justice involved individuals. If we got the same kind of 
programs that the card individuals would have, we would have no issues. Uh, but by addressing these issues, we we hope to can create a more inclusive and supportive environment for all the social equity groups uh, in the cannabis industry. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Justin. And I appreciate your time talking about this. You know, we're 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 excited to see progress these last several years, but the processes are not perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's why we all need to have a seat at the table to speak up. Uh, We all need to talk about these things so that we can have the best industry that we can possibly have. Where can our listeners find out more about your organization? Yeah, you can find more about the Cannabis Association of New York at uh, www.candy.org. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.